when I talk about storytelling or, or, or mention storytelling, people are like, oh, come on. Oh, no, I have to just, you know, go really deep down and see how I feared and how I got up and do some motivation stuff. And I'm not good at that. And I don't want to do that. And I always tell them that, you know, this is not what you have to do. So it's, it's not a, a, a kind of motivational speaking or, or, you know, you have to share really intimate stories. So it's not about them. For me, storytelling is, is, much, is much more a tool. Hey there, and welcome to yet another episode of the World of Presentations podcast brought to you by Asset Presentation Agency 356 Labs. We are not uh, only developing and training people from uh, some of the coolest brands in the world how to prepare and deliver uh, truly effective presentations, but we also organize and host the largest presentation skills conference in the world uh, called Present to Succeed. I'm Boris, I'm your host for today's episode, and with me, uh, I have yet another incredible guest <laughs> from the industry who is probably wondering why am I reading the intro right now. She is someone who works with a range of international clients from expert roles and C-level executives to Harvard professors and she's helping them write, design and deliver those type of presentations that I just mentioned. Truly effective ones, ones that bring results. Uh, she's also an author of the book called Generational Myths that was published in 2019. And lastly, she's also based in Budapest, Hungary, which is Oh, by the way, one of my favorite cities in Europe and thus in the world. So who is she? Her name is, I think, Orsolia, right? That's Orsolia. how you Yeah. That's a very hard to pronounce name, though. I know, I know. It's <laughs> like when, when our kids were born, we were like, okay, we have to pick international names because I have so much trouble with mine. <laughs> All right. And the family name is Nemes, right? Nemes, yeah. It actually Nemes. means noble. It means noble, yeah. Really? In Hungarian, yeah. That's nice. It is. Today, uh, we're going to be talking about storytelling, everybody, or a lot of things related to how you build a truly effective story. So let's, uh, let's start this up. Are you ready? Yeah, yeah totally. <laughs> Hit me. <laughs> so let's start, let's, start with, uh, let's start with the backstory. You know, uh, everyone in our industry has a very interesting backstory. No one gets out of school or out of university thinking that they'll work in the presentation space. They end up working in the presentation space somehow. What, what happened on your end? Just imagine a training, a presentation training that is super boring and you're the trainer. So that was me 10 years ago. Uh, I was working at a organization develop, uh, a company that was working in organization development, uh, soft skills trainings and stuff like that. And uh, they gave me their, their, you know, usual training I had to perform to, to our clients. And I was really bored. And I was like, okay, this cannot be like that. I mean, this has to be much more exciting. Um, and I started reading up on it, and uh, that's how I fo- uh, found uh, authors and, and communication gurus like Nancy Duarte, Gary Nodes, and, and um, yeah. Chip and Dan Heath. And uh, I, I was like, there's this whole new world. I mean, the presentation revolution was just about to start. Uh, it was you know, Actually, it wasn't about to start. It was in full boom. And I was like, okay, right. this is really, really cool. I mean, you can do so much so many things with presentations and what's what really fascinated me that you know if you're uh, you do it in a smart way and you put beautiful slides next to it you can you can do amazing things so for me presentations are, are kind of applied art 
Uh, and um, I really like learning by doing. And I started to design presentations based on what I read. You know, uh, I read a lot of blogs and uh, watched a lot of videos. And you know, I, mostly I, I self-taught myself what I what I know about yeah. presentations. Um, and uh, and actually, what happened is that uh, back then, SlideShare was a pretty uh, big place to go for for information on presentations as well, um, and uh, I started publishing presentations on on SlideShare, and this is really exciting because uh, they started putting or feature my my presentations on the front page. You know, you go to SlideShare, there is my presentation. It was like, come on, what's going on here? Uh, no. But the final push came when um, SlideShare reached uh, 10 million uploads, and the editorial team basically. Um, they, they picked their favorites, and one of my presentations got into the top 20 of their picks. And I was like, okay, being in the top 20 presentations out of 10 million, that's, that's, this is actually a pretty straightforward sign that I have to do something with that. Um, and uh, I ended up with this story um, on a TEDx Youth um, uh, stage. So I, I yeah. shared my story, uh, how, I, how I got there. And uh, it was really interesting because um, the country manager of HBO saw that presentation and he, he just called me, you know, please come and train my, my people, you know, my sales, sales people to yeah. uh, present better. So I ended up in, in training them. Uh, and I was like, you know, I, I taught him that, you know, this is a very new way. This is new to me. I'm, I'm, this is the first time I, I'm uh, doing it. And he was like, okay, I'm fine with that. I like what you're doing. You seem like to be really good at this. So just let's do this. And ever since then, I've been working with people from all around the world and, and doing this. And this is a, an amazing journey. Nice. Very, very nice. And unexpected as with everybody. I mean, yeah, completely, completely unexpected. You are super passionate about the world of storytelling. Um, obviously, storytelling is a little bit of a buzzword nowadays. You know, everyone is, everyone in every industry, every, on every level is using the word storytelling. Um, why, in your opinion, is storytelling so, so important? Yeah, it's it's exactly what I think that it's a buzzword now, and I think storytelling is a bit overused, and I don't like to uh, think it about that way. You know, uh, what I see is a lot of times when I, when I talk about storytelling or, or or mention storytelling, people are like, "Oh, come on! Oh no! I have to just you know go really deep down and see how I feared and how I got up and do some motivational stuff, and I'm not good at that, and I don't want to do that." And I always tell them that you know this is not what you have to do. So it's, it's not a, a, a kind of motivational speaking or, or, you know, you have to share really intimate stories. So it's not about them. For me, storytelling is, is, mu is much more a tool or it's um, a kind of process, you know, how you think about what you have to say. Um, and and uh, I think stories are uh, storytelling is full of tools and, and it's a very nice toolbox and, and it helps you with structuring your thoughts. It helps you with coloring your your ideas. And that's what I like to do. So uh, I, I read a lot. I've always been reading a lot. And, and um, I think storytelling helps you to to find really good analogies, metaphors. Um, you can express yourself much better. Or if you build up your whole structure, it is basically, you know, a form of story. I mean, the, I'm not the first person telling you this on this podcast. Um, and and uh, I think it's a very important and very useful tool and very, very easy to use if you think, in uh, think about storytelling in the terms of being a tool and not, you know, something you deliver.
No, all right. So yeah, obviously buzzwords and buzzwords become popular. Yeah. Become buzzwords, by the way, <laughs> because of that. But still, there is quite a lot behind it. And as you say, this is just one of the tools that presenters, let's say, uh, can utilize because it is definitely powerful. Um, in storytelling, I would say, and when we talk about presentations and when we talk about each and every story, everyone or at least many people, I think, uh, in our space, uh, hopefully so, and many uh, people who are listening know that the audience is just like you understanding who the audience is. In our case, we're being listened by some of the people in our industry, meaning presentation experts and presentation people or presentation designers. We're also being listened by designers, but our main audience are business people, the ones that actually came at present to succeed, right? This is, if you see the data, by the way, it's amazing. Um, you have everybody, you know, the HRs, the marketing people, the sales people, the IT people, everybody, as we like to say, the people who are being asked to present whether they like it or not, right? Yeah. <laughs> so when we, all of those people have at least once probably heard that the audience is the critical factor, you know, and one of the feedback, one of the most interesting types of feedbacks that we got from, I don't know uh, the name exactly from the conference was, it's great that you're telling me that the audience is important and I need to know them, but tell me how can I know them? Tell me the practical things, tell me the practical steps that I can use to know them. So what are your thoughts? Because you're spending a lot of time analyzing the audiences for your customers or probably for your talks too. How yeah. Should somebody analyze the audience that's going to be in front of them? All right. Um, actually, I would like to take a step back first because uh, for sure. me, audience analysis is just, it's not the first step. For me, uh, context analysis is the first step. You know what, what's happening. So what I like to do is find my wiggle room first. I, I call it the wiggle room. Um, and uh, it's, uh, you know, uh, a kind of, uh, where, where, where three uh, things overlay. One is, uh, you know, where are you presenting? So it's really important whether it's a conference room or whether it's whether you are talking in front of 500 people. Is it a conference? Are, are you uh, just one, uh, one speaker or are you uh, one out of a series, people, a series of speakers? So I like to get a little bit context on that. You know, are you on stage or are you just in front of uh, a TV or something like that? where you can project your, your presentation. The second thing I, I like to do is audience analysis, what, what you just said. Um, and uh, for, for me, I, um, it's, it's always three questions. One is demographics, you know, age, gender, uh, background, um, uh, ethnicity really? even, that could be also uh, interesting, and, and also education, for example. So these are just a few factors. Um, then the second, uh, bunch I like to take a look at is, is psychological uh, kind of motivations. You know, what are they like? What are, what are their fears? Um, what are their days like, for example, or what's important to them? What makes them uh, tick? Uh, what is uh, their goal? What kind of solutions I can give to them and stuff like that. Uh, and uh, the third thing I like to, like to do is uh, a kind of um, contextual um, scenario you know are they there like voluntarily or, or is it mandatory that they attend um what what is their motivation behind that uh, why are they there what they want to do did other people put them because of something so for example if if people yeah. uh, 
for it's just just take a training for example some people volunteer and they are eager to learn and other people are just you know they told me that i don't present very well and i come here and you know let's see what's what's going up there so different motivations level I, I always always get different results and the third thing i i like to do is you know where my presentation is on on this spectrum and uh on the spectrum i i like to see uh to um so the two questions are, you know, whether it's a smaller or larger audience, because you will definitely be doing different talks to when you're presenting in front of five people or when you're presenting in front of 500 people. You have different toolboxes, basically, because yeah. uh, the smaller group is I, I like to make it more conversational um, yeah. and the bigger. The, so the bigger the room is, you know, the less options I have to involve them. Like, you know, I cannot ask 500 people what you think only in rhetorical questions or something like that. And the other other factor I take into consideration is whether it's a formal or an informal setting. So when I'm, um, but I think business right now is becoming more and more informal. So it's not like, you know, it's very, very formal and you have to use formal language. And that's, that's really boring and soulless, I think. So uh, I always try to go as informal as I can be within the context. So these these three things, you know, where where I am presenting, who am I talking to, and and uh, how I uh, what what my options are. That's that's always really important for me. Got it. And what about like when you talked about the demographics and the psychographics? Uh, let's call it this way. Yeah. Um, how do you like? How do you approach? Like, what would you do or what would you recommend someone doing in order for them to find that information? Like, what are the steps? Like, where do they find that type of information? Because at the end of the day, okay, now we know what we are searching for, you know? So now, where do I find it? Do you mean the like the bullet points I need to find the answers for? Yeah, I mean, which yeah. is, where do I know the demographics of the audience? Where is it written? Like, where can I find something? about that let's say about the specifics yeah about yeah. the specifics of yours I, I think you can always ask <laughs> so for uh, in a lot of cases for example when they ask me to to do um a presentation i always send back like a list of questions you know these are the questions i would be really happy to get answers to um and um, most of the time the organizers are really eager to share those informations um, and you, you yeah. can always ask back or ask some people who know these people, or if you have like a small group, you can even know for, from the calendar invite, maybe even, you know, who is attending and you can check them out if it's important to, to know that. And as for the questions, which, uh, questions to ask, um, there is a blog called, uh, six minutes. Um, and there, there is a really nice, um, uh, guideline there you can download for free, basically, um, that helps you with audience analysis. So just go to six, six minutes and search audience analysis, and you will find some really oh, good, nice. it's a cheat sheet basically. So, it's, so uh, you said six minutes. Yeah. Six All minutes right. by Andrew Dlugan. Yeah audience analysts who find that and we'll link it up for everyone yeah. it will be in the show notes and in the blog that. post accompanying this um po uh, podcast episode so yeah I, I think that what you're saying is 
like super super practical now that hey just ask you know sometimes you can ask the people around you we for example in our trainings call this the network around you mm-hmm. be that your friends your colleagues your family whoever yeah. it's around you uh sometimes you can ask the organizers sometimes you are the organizer of the event right and you will know who is coming as you said you have a calendar invite maybe just see the results right who accepted exactly who? yeah of course well, yeah, and and, and uh, so yep. just one more thing that, for example, when I'm doing training, I'm even asking the people who will attend the training. So I always send out the questionnaire, you know, of course, it's nice that I have something in mind, but I'm, I'm always tailoring what I say and how I say it based on what they s- tell me, you know, what, yeah. you know, these are the topics I'm thinking about. Tell me which are you most interested in? Where, where do you need some help? What, what are you doing well in presentations? Where, where do you need some, some, something extra, extra or support? So that always helps me as well. And they always find it much more useful. So it's much of easier course. to hit home when you know who you are talking to. Yeah, of course, of course, of course. I mean, every single time when we also approach a training, it's like this, we call it a pre-training meeting where we just ask questions, you know, about yeah. the training, about the group, about the content itself, so that we make it as tailored as possible to that group, which, exactly. as you mentioned, just makes it so much more desirable by them because they know that they are going to listen and cover things that they want, that they that are just important to them. Yeah, you know, and I, I, I think uh, audiences always ask two questions. One is, you know, who are you? What what authorizes you to talk to me about this topic? So it's credibility, basically. And the second question is, you know, what's in it for me? What, why why is it worth it to me? And if if you get the answers to these questions, or I mean, credibility, you have to build it up. Um, but but about the second part, you know, what's in it for me? That's basically what what you need to find. And when you find it, you can center your whole story around it. Yeah. Absolutely. I would just add probably here for com- the sake of completeness that once you have a calendar invite or once you know from the organizers or once your friends tell you whatever they tell you, right? <laughs> By the way, interesting fact about the people around you, right? If you think about it, when you're asking your network for some ideas in regards to who is going to be in front of you, sometimes sometimes you, everyone who's listening, sometimes you guys will notice that... Um, what ends up happening is those people are actually sharing sharing with you things that you are not able to find anywhere else. Exactly. Which which is crazy cool, right? I would say that the other channel that we are not mentioning, which I think we are not mentioning because everyone considers it by default, is that hey, wait a minute, if I have your name, I can Google you. Exactly. Right? That's that's why I, what I meant by by checking the calendar invite. You know, you can then Google them. Absolutely. So let's go back to audience. Now we know how to approach, like what are we searching for and where do we find it? Now let's talk about um, one of the topics and one of the moments which HRs are really passionate about, especially when they talk about their people. Like it is very hard, they say, for their people to find the right message to communicate the message they are just presenting some information and it seems like it looks like it sounds like there is no cohesive thing mm-hmm. like there is no 
the message is not clear at the end. Like everyone is okay. What's going on? Like what what is expected? Why am I here in first place? Like yeah. what happened here in the last thirty minutes? So what's the what's the process that you follow? What do you advise your customers to do or your trainees, um, attend students, or whatever we may wanna call them? Like how do you approach this? How to find your message? Yeah, I think the first need, uh, thing to do after you know who you are talking to is. Uh, to decide on the style of your presentation, because different styles, I think, require, require different um, different messages. So, for example, you need to need to um, decide whether you want to inform people. So, is it like an informational type of presentation? Like, I'm I'm uh, presenting my project results, for example, um, and I'm telling people about that. That's that's a kind of informative presentation. Um, another type is educational. You know what what we are doing here is kind of ed- educational. You know we want to share tips and tricks and and uh, we want people to become better communicators. So that's what we do right now. This is a, an educational type of conversation. And the third type uh, is a, a kind of narrative presentation. That's that's where TEDx comes in, for instance, or that's where where uh, motivational speech speaking uh, comes in. That's also a different uh, type of presentation. Then then uh, change is imminently in the talk. Yeah. Um, and once you have that, um, you need to you need to find your goal, you know, what I want to achieve by the end of this talk, that will also um, help you find your message, you know, I want to, um, uh, yeah, I want to inform them, I want to motivate them, I want to educate them, I want to help them with something, I want them uh, to see something uh, clear, more clearly, I want them to buy in my, uh, into my idea. So these goals are always very important to find because that will help you with uh, crafting your message afterwards. I think then uh, what you need to find is a kind of like central theme. I, I, I know it's kind of a cliche by now, hopefully, uh, but I always like to ask uh, my clients, you know, if people remember only one sentence out of your talk or if they cancel your talk and there are, there are like, there's a room full of people there and you have like one sentence to tell them, what, what would you tell? What, what is your, your topic about or what is your presentation about? And uh, the third thing I think what helps with finding your message is uh, outlining this change. You know, what is that they already know where they are right now uh, and where you want to get them to. So like this move from and move to. So where I want them to be by the end of my talk. And I think these three questions will definitely help you find what you actually want to say. Um, and I always also recommend um, my trainees uh, or, or the people I work with is that, you know, make it imperative. So it, it shouldn't be like a sentence that like, um, you know, this is the result. This is what I wanted to tell you. That's that's not the message. So you always have to make it imperative. You know, the, the very blunt structure is and you can then, you know, say it nicely as well is I want you to do this. So this is what I want you to do. That's 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 how a proper um, uh, presentation should I and I think uh, actually there was a re- really interesting research where they were taking uh, where they were looking at you know the content of the presentation and they found that people who have a strong opening and a strong a strong ending um, get better rates than those who have a strong middle. So that's why I think it's really really important to to first you know start strong and then end strong and end with this call to action. 
Yeah, primacy and recency effect yeah. kicks in here, I think. Definitely. All right. So what about what about the next step would be once you know who those people are, once you know uh, once you know what you want to achieve, obviously from this presentation, and you have a complete like a hundred percent clarity in regards to that, you should be brainstorming your talk and potentially afterwards structuring the talk. How are you approaching it? What should people do here? Like, what are the practical type of tips and tricks? What have you found that that works very well for your customers? There was more. Well, I like to do a 10-step process before I, I even open PowerPoint. So I think one yeah. of the main uh, main idea is to take the whole thing offline. So just, you know, really uh, get a huge piece of, piece of paper. It can be this, you know, A4 type piece of paper, piece of paper but I actually <laughs> like to go bigger. Because the bigger my paper is, the more freely I can I can work, um, okay. and yeah, actually it's, this really helps me because you know I'm I'm always just scribbling, I'm drawing, I'm drawing arrow, arrows and stuff like that. So so for me that's that's a a, a good process, and I always use several papers, so not just, not just one. So the first step for me is brainstorming, and for me uh, there the part is you know uh, um, getting ideas on page. Um, without filtering them. So this is all about, you know, not definitely only content, but also also about, you know, you have to go, have to put as many ideas there as you can. So so that's 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 a you know collecting, just collecting ideas. And then I like to the second step is filtering, you know, seeing what's useful from this pool and what's not useful. Um, and after uh, getting those, you know, I always just circle them, you know, these ideas are are useful. Um, and then, then I like to group them because uh, most of the time people just don't think in structures. We we usually usually just uh, go like you know we we oh this is the coffee machine uh, from the coffee machine I jump to coffee from to coffee I jump to you know I have to go to the store because uh, it's running out. So it's we, we jump from topic to topic from idea to idea. Uh, and once uh, we have filters or sorts, we need to group them into, you know, light, nice groups. And what I like to do then uh, is, you know, after grouping those, I like to label them or, or I like to label, you know, these are my main thoughts. These are what I definitely want to include. Uh, and you always have to keep your message in mind. You know, filtering is always, uh, always uh, when, I, when I'm filtering, I'm always reflect back, back on what my message is and whether it's supporting my message or not. So that's, that's, I think, the crucial part. And then I really like to do this little structure. And for me, it's a really simple structure. Um, it's uh, a beginning, a middle, and an end. And um, I organize these filtered messages into, into the structure. And uh, it's always like, uh, by the, I think the, um, the idea of the beginning should be, you know, it ha has to introduce your topic. It has to uh, show what you are talking about, and it always have to answer the "what's in it for me" question. So by the end of the introduction, people need to know what I'm talking about. Uh, and then the middle, I always structure the middle in three parts. You know, three points, uh, three distinct things, points that don't overlap. Uh, it can be anything. You know, it can be this is a project. This is what we did. These are the results. Or this can be the past, present, future. Or it can be you know this is the problem. These are the possible solutions. This is the best solution in my opinion. So it can be basically anything. But but uh, the, this number 
three is a magical number <laughs> and uh, it works yep. in structure as well. And uh, in the end, uh, I like to close uh, with, um, with summarizing what I just told, because as you just said, you know, this, this recency effect is taking hold and people don't necessarily remember what I, I've been talking about during the whole presentation, just the end. And uh, after that, I like to uh, uh, close with a call to action. You know, this is what I want you to do, or this is one what I want you to take away from this whole thing. And my trick is actually is not to go from uh, from the start to the end, but I, I I work like bottom up. So I always start with the end, and then I uh, define how I get to the end, what my three main points are that get me to the end. And in the end, I, I, I think about, you know, how I want to start this whole presentation, because I, I have found that it's much easier to uh, uh, find an introduction when I know the journey where I want to take them uh, than the other way around. So it's always interesting. Um, and then uh, I do the supporting points. You know, these were the main points. These how I want to support uh, these main points. And then I like to add a pop of color, you know, stories, data, uh, whatever, you know, just to fill in the blanks. Um, and uh, then I always put it aside and uh, hopefully give it a day or two, you know, because my head is racing. Um, and then with the uh, next day, I come back with a fresh pair of eyes. Um, and uh, that's the murder, the murder your darling part. So that's when I, uh, when I, when I kill off everything that's not useful because there is always some, some uh, extra stuff that's actually not necessary. So everything that's not useful for my audience, or no, no matter how dear it is to my heart, or no matter how dear it's to me, I always, always try to uh, weed those out because those won't help. Uh, and then when I do that, um, I, I, I have found that people usually have a lot of problem with making transitions, you know, from getting from mm. the introduction to the, they know, know the structure, but they don't necessarily know, you know, how to connect those points. So I, I always take extra care, you know, to make sure that I have my transitions from intro to point one, from point one to point two, to, from point two to three, and then to the end. So that's, I think, yeah. a crucial point. And in the end, I always like to draw a little storyboard uh, because uh, I usually don't have like five slides, you know, each each idea once. Uh, so one one uh, idea per per one one part of the speech, but more. Uh, and I always like to uh, do a little storyboard, and then when I have that, I I do the presentation. So it's it's a. Uh, Maybe it looks a long process, but it's actually a really, really quick process because it just structures your time differently. So you uh, do more on paper and less in PowerPoint. And it's actually for me, at least, and my trainees also uh, say that after realizing or, or after learning about this structure or this process, it, they, they can actually go much, much more faster than they did before because it's not, you know, hours and hours and hours in PowerPoint, but a lot of work offline and then go digital basically yeah let's go back a little bit when you said that you were brainstorming yeah. the presentation itself and you are deciding on um more or less you're filtering out some of the content on a very early stage like what are the criteria in our field to say hey this content is useful and cool and this one is not like what are you using for a criteria to define okay that's that's in and that's out. Mm -hmm. Like, how do you filter it? Yeah, I, I think there are two criteria you need to take mm -hmm. into consideration. First is the audience. Actually, three. 
um, when, if, when is the audience? Is it relevant to them? Uh, or mm -hmm. does it help them get there where I want them to be? The second mm -hmm. part is uh, my message. Is it supporting yeah. my message? And the third part is, is you know, does it, does it fit in the whole flow? Because sometimes you can go into sideways, side tracks, side paths, and, and you can go really, really um, into different areas, which are nice and might be interesting. But, uh, but once you have this, and uh, then you can find your way back really, really easily. So I think that in a way, what, what you need to do is go take a bird's eye view. You know, when, when, when you fly up, I mean, I, I've never fly, flown like a bird before, but then this is how I imagine it. You know, as, as if I, I were a bird and I, I were to fly over this whole thing, uh, I, I would see only the, what's important and not every single tree. I would see the forest and not every single tree. And that's what I, we need to show people, I think, the forest and not the trees. Mm. Yeah, and by the way, while, what you said also with the fact that you start always at the end, meaning hey, here is where I want to leave the audience. Yeah. And now let's see how I will leave them there. You know, like what do I need to do or say or tell or show or whatever, you know, to leave them there. I think that is one of the that is one of the very like one of those approaches which truly, truly work. You know, defining the that end state, that point B, you know, in the in the trip, if you wish. Yeah. It's always so, so, by the way, it's such a man, mandatory thing. Like it's such an important thing. Otherwise it doesn't really matter what you're going to be talking about and what are you going to be including because nothing will actually be leading them to the place that you want. You know, if you don't define it, it doesn't really matter what you're saying because you're, you don't know where you're going in first place. You know, so exactly. it's very, yeah, absolutely. Exactly. And it's, it's so uh, funny because uh, there are in a lot of cases, you know, at the end of a presentation, that's, that's what I hear, you know, I mean, they thought about how they started, they, they, they thought about uh, their journey, but in the end, they didn't think about their message. And if they don't have that message, if they don't have where they want the audience to be in the end, then there is no point basically, because I won't remember a bunch of information. That's like, you know, the the most important sentence the, the last sentence i think because most of the time that will put everything i've said already yeah. in place yeah and, and about the end well, once you brainstorm the presentation and you go and sleep over it you know and just go back to it and just look at it with fresh eyes i think that there is so much truth in that and i hope that people will hear that and that will also tell them hey i shouldn't be doing my presentation in the same day when i'm delivering them <laughs> you know because if I, yeah, I mean especially if it's an important talk right yeah, what, yeah. by the way what yeah what do you recommend people to do like how much time do you advise them to spend on an important you know important presentation a super important presentation yeah <laughs> well um Maybe it's easy to say the more they have, the more they can spend, you know, but like if yeah, you I have know, to people know busy, a magical so, number. Yeah, you know? but I, what I can tell you is that when I'm working with uh, TEDx speakers or TED speakers, they are putting into yeah. 80 to 120 hours into their 15 or 18 minutes. So that's our yeah, first point. But, uh, but everybody is different. So uh, for example, me, I like to work with a lot of slides because I, I make very visual slides. But for example, my husband, 
uh, he hates those slides. I mean, if I, if I were to put him in front of my slides with the same topic and we have the same preparation and do everything, and he has to present with, with my slides, he would be all over the place because he yeah. is much, uh, he has a much like, I wouldn't say a clearer structure, but he has these, these chunks of ideas in his head he wants to of cover. Course. And what he needs is like, you know, five slides and he's cool for an hour. Because and, and yeah. his talk is structured and everything because he did the preparation part, but but actually for him my slides um, are are you know holding him back. And of course I don't yeah. know designing one hundred or I don't I don't know eighty slides takes much more time than designing five slides. So so that's for example a big difference uh, in the preparation part. But uh, yeah. I, I can cannot say how much. What I, I like to think in is you know time how much time you have. Um, if you have 15 minutes, you will do a completely different presentations than if you have uh, 50 minutes, for example. Yeah. So I really hate when, when people say that, you know, you have to have five, five slides. Why? Why? Why on earth should I have five slides? Give me yeah. five minutes and then I will decide on the number of slides. <laughs> yeah, I think that if even, I think that the, the case with the, the slides and someone using someone else's slides is a very problematic it moment, is. you know. That's never going, like, I have never, ever, by the way, seen this work. No. Because it's just two different people approaching the same topic, yet they have a very different view on how that topic or how that message needs to be conveyed. And exactly. when you just ask somebody, hey, use my way of thinking, the other side says, mm, you know, I have a different point, like, I have a different way of approaching this you know and it's exactly like you're pushing them to do something that they don't want you know yeah, and, and there uh, that's that's where authenticity and credibility flies right out of the window you know because it's it's obvious that these are somebody else's thoughts and you are not comfortable in the situation that is by the way for everyone that's listening if someone in your teams push you to use someone else's slides please listen to us and if that happens for you for first time please promises that the first thing that you will do is to tell them, no, that's not a good idea. Uh, even if I don't have the time, I'll spend the time to do my own slides. Mm -hmm. It will take you more than that for you to adapt to someone else's way of thinking. Like, yeah, but actually, uh, what's, what's also important, I think, is that in a lot of cases, there are a lot of people out there who are presenting with uh, somebody else's slides. But uh, what I mean by that is that somebody else designed those slides for them. And that's completely yeah. okay. That's completely um, different. And that's completely different because what you need to be comfortable with is uh, is the structure. And you have to be comfortable yeah. with, you know, you have to be familiar with the slides as well. So for example, for corporate people, for assistants, for example, and, and managers who, who uh, work together, for example, the assistant is doing the slide for them or a presentation yeah. agency is doing your, your slides for them. I always advise them to, you know, once you have this structure, and uh, then do the storyboard. So, so first talk about the structure. You know, this is the first part. Uh, this is the introduction. This is what what I thought you should be doing there. This is the first, second, third point. This is how it should uh, how you should close. And then you can always adapt and change and and do things differently. So that's that's okay. And once you do that, do the storyboard and then then go over it and see, you know, is the chart in the storyboard I, I, uh, I want to show? Is the, is the story in the story, uh, storyboard I want to tell? Um, so you need to be uh, familiar with that. And then uh, somebody else can actually do your slides because that's, that doesn't matter anymore. What, what matters is story and, and how the story translates to slides.
Yeah. And the story comes first, obviously, which is yeah. very, very important. It doesn't start with PowerPoint or Apple Keynote or Google Slides. No, or, or save as. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that is that is not how it works. Brilliant. Uh, we need to stop here somewhere. You know, like uh, that topic of building up the story of a talk could be obviously a thing that we can discuss for many, 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 many hours. But before we, uh, before we allow you to go, we always ask our audience a few more questions, which are related to, first of all, who else, like who are, who is that one person, I would say, that you think we should invite to our podcast and get for our listeners and our, the people that are in our community, because he or she made a great impression on you, somehow related to presentations, you know? Yeah, actually, it's it's a hard question because there were so many brilliant people on the pod- podcast before. So I'm uh, that is true, by the way. I yeah, agree actually, with that. yeah, yeah. Because mm-hmm. a lot of people who wrote wonderful books that had a great influence on 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 my work were already there. So uh, I, I, yeah. I'm really honored to be here after after them. Uh, but uh, uh, if I uh, have to say something, who has definitely not been on the podcast before, I would recommend Alex Reister. Um, we we are slideshare buddies from by, 10 years ago, basically. So that's how I got to know her. And I got to know her based on her blog, uh, Creating Communication. Um, and uh, and uh, she her, her the way she thinks and the way she translates uh, ideas into presentations what, what had a really, really huge um, impact on, on what I think and how I think. Um, and she's a professor. Actually, now she's working at the Aboriginal um, University, teaching aeronautical students to to uh, share their messages better. Um, she has courses um, on uh, at this university, and and I think she's a brilliant teacher and a wonderful communicator. So, I I think she would fit this podcast. Amazing. Brilliant. All right, you need to introduce her. Uh, introduce me to her, and uh, from there. We'll yeah, I'd be happy to connect you too. Brilliant. One last question that's a two-part question, however. So okay. stay with me here. What is the best place for people to connect, meaning in social media? And then second part of the question, what is the best place for them to learn more about what you're doing? Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, LinkedIn is always cool. So uh, that's that's an easy way to reach me. Um, right. And actually, I, I have just uh, started an Instagram account. Uh, I don't have much followers okay. yet because uh, uh, because I'm, I have a Hungarian account and I have I have uh, an English one. Uh, it's called Power Up Your Point. Uh, and some right. really cool material uh, is coming up. There are some posts there, but... Uh, now, now that uh, life is getting back to normal and kids are getting back to into institutions, I have much more time to to do that. So, so power up your point is is uh, an Instagram account, and and I'm sharing uh, presentation tips and tricks there. So, it would be nice to connect there as well. And and uh, if there are any topic you would like me to tackle, just in a post, obviously, or a story, or something like that, and then brilliant. Yeah, okay, we'll link. Write me. Yeah, we will link up the Instagram account and the LinkedIn account. Thank you. <laughs> Brilliant. So the power up your point. That's yeah. an interesting. That's an interesting. That's a user profile, right? On Instagram, yeah. that will be the. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because Good. you know, PowerPoint and power up, blah blah. Yeah, blah. yeah. By the way, the fact that the fact that this one is available is also true. Is also cool. I mean, 
not very often you will find something that's a little bit closer to what you're talking about that's available still. Yeah. So you got lucky there. I mean, that is nice. Definitely. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I was also amazed. Yeah, I searched for this and, oh, neither YouTube nor Instagram oh. is taken. Well, what happens? What happened here? Yeah. <laughs> good for you, you know, like good for you. Good that you found it and you uh, booked it for your work and what you're going to be um, sharing there. I will make sure that it is both on the show notes and um, in the blog post for sure, the same way as it should be. As I'm looking at my notes with the, where, where did that go? Uh, the six minutes uh, block and the audience analysis uh, yeah. cheat sheet. So we're going to link that one too. This was wonderful. This was great. And it's already 45 minutes. It's oh insane. <laughs> Just, think about that. Just think about it. Thank you so much for joining. That was, a, that was great indeed. Thank you for having me. It was really fun and another. <laughs> yeah, everybody, you heard a lot of practical tips and t- tricks here. Now, if you're complaining that you don't know how to analyze your audience, it's not fair anymore, okay? <laughs> it is not fair anymore. Like, we just dropped you the things and everything that you need to do to find the information, structure your talk, etc. Now it's on you and now you just need to put in the time and the effort. That's it. Everyone does it from our world. We do it for our customers. Now it's your time. All right. <laughs> so, so again, huge thanks to you for joining us and for everyone else. Um, take a look at, uh, take a look at all of the, uh, all of the links that we're going to put in the show notes and of course 356labs.com is our website and present to succeed.com uh the site the website of the conference we hope to see you there in 2022 uh the event will be again in april so stay tuned the tickets are already on sale thanks for listening everybody hope you really hope you really enjoyed that one in the same way as we did i hope <laughs> I, I think we enjoyed that one definitely even though i was late if I have to be honest, even though I was late. <laughs> so if you liked it, subscribe to the podcast, share it with a friend, we would appreciate it. And what else? Nothing, I think. So see you in the next one. Bye, everybody.